We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Part two of this is going to be what are the areas that we need to see improvement or what are the question marks slash concerns for the defense this year? And I think it begins right where we left off with the strengths. Is Al Golden going to make the changes to how, and it's across the board, changes to your scheme, changes to your preparation, how you teach, how you practice, how you coach, what is your emphasis? There needs to be a wholesale kind of reboot on defense. now. I'm not saying change the defense. What I'm saying is teach it differently. You tried to cross-train everybody and their mother last year. You threw everything at them during the spring, and look what happened. They mastered nothing. So what I'm saying is, is he going to be one to come in this spring and say, okay, let's really have this be a foundational spring. Yeah, we're going to throw stuff at you scheme-wise, but we need to make sure these kids know where to line up precisely how to attack, how to get downhill, how to use their hands, how to use their feet, how to be efficient, all that kind of stuff. Are they going to do that or not? Or is it just going to be more of the same? I think the big thing for me is if how much is Al Golden willing to adapt and adjust what he did last year, see what went right, and say, okay, yes, part of this is going to be the players now know it, they'll do better there. That's part of it. But the other part of it is what did we do as a staff that prevented them from learning it and being better at it sooner? and fix that it's got to be both and so to me out the biggest question mark i have because here's what i do not doubt al golden knows football no doubt about that my question is however is he too far gone from being a college coach to get back to coaching college players that's my question can he teach to the level that the younger players can accept and adapt? Because if you can't teach to your freshman and sophomore class, therefore they can't play because they haven't picked it up, that's not their problem. That's your problem as a coach. If Coach Golden is able to kind of get back to basics, which I know deep down he knows, I think this defense could be really good because if it becomes about a combination of the talent and Al Golden's long history of being able to teach fundamentals and all that kind of stuff 
then I think this defense can be good. If it becomes a combination of the talent plus his football knowledge, as opposed to his football knowledge we have here and the players are just desperately trying to catch up, if he can meet them in the middle, that's where I think this defense could take off because right. I do think he's a smart guy. I think he's a good guy. I've, ne- I've never heard a single bad thing about Al Golden as a person. I have some some problems with the way the coaches, but I've heard nothing but good things about him as a human being. And that goes all the way back 20, almost 20 years to when I had run-ins with Al Golden when I when we were on the recruiting trailer at coaches conventions. And he was one of the few Division One coaches that would talk to anybody. He didn't care if you who you where you were. He was nice. He was good. He was decent. He would talk ball. If a D three coach came up to him and say, "Coach, I I kind of talked to you about some," he, oh yeah, yeah, let's let, let's do it. Right? You don't get that a lot from D one coaches. And so I like him personally, and that's why I want to see him do well. So part of me, deep down, Ryan was kind of glad he didn't move on to the NFL because I really want to see him be successful. But he's not going to be successful if he doesn't adapt and meet the players in the middle. Right. It's not all just about your here's my defense and it's eventually they're going to catch up to me over here. No, it's they're here. You're here. And you got to be able to come together because if it becomes more about the talent than your scheme, then you're going to be pretty good. If you can then marry those two things together where your talent is really good and they know it and your scheme is really good and they know it, that's where you get dangerous. And that's where I think this team could be really good. And so the more he does that, Ryan, the better this team is going to be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Because I, I, I refuse to accept that Al Golden doesn't understand. 
I mean, one, he's a coach, right? He's been coached a long time, so he understands the basics of how to play the game of football. But, Brian, I mean, you remember when he was at Temple, right? It's like he wasn't getting a bunch of studs at Temple. They were just developing good football players at Temple. Like, that's how he was successful at, like, a lower level, and then obviously why he keeps getting jobs, right? And he keeps going – you know, he went to the NFL for a reason. You don't get to the NFL if you don't know what you're doing. Like, that's just kind of point blank to it, right? Like, you – obviously, he knows what what he's doing as a coach. It's just about – there's a different landscape in college football than when you were here last. It just is a little bit different, right? And you have to have, you have to emphasize certain things in a college landscape that you don't have to do as much in the NFL. Guys come to the NFL with kind of that baseline intact, right? Like, you know, where you're going to build off of in the NFL level. College football, you're building guys up from the roots, right? From the baseline, from the, from the, you know, from the, from the onsets. Like, you have to really build those guys up. And I think that for me, I'm hoping that this offseason has been a kind of a, a sit back opportunity for Al Golden and be like, hey, man, got to get back to the basics here, brother. Like, why were you a 20 plus year man in college football? Why were you the University of Miami head coach at one time? Why did you get taken into an NFL roster and help a team go to the Super Bowl? It's because at the core, you are a good coach. You are. It's just about, are you the right coach for this situation? Are you willing to take a step back and strip yourself down a little bit, man, and say like, hey, like I need to get back to this, this, and this. I can't be that right now. I can't be this type of guy. And I think that he has everything in it. And again, it's nothing personal with Al Golden. I think he's a good person. I've never heard anything negative. I mean, literally, he coached at Temple for several years, and Temple was literally – from where I lived, you know, when I was growing up was about 20 minutes right outside, right over the bridge, you know, and I followed him very in-depthly because he did a great job with Temple specifically back in the day. Yeah. But I think it's really about getting back to basics, man. We always say back to basics for, for players a lot, like get back to the basics, build yourself back up. But coaching's the same because NFL is a completely different animal than what college football is. Al Golden's got it in him. Is he yeah. going to take advantage of it? Is he going to, Build himself back up from the base of as a college coach. I don't know, but right. that's something that remains to be seen this offseason. Obviously, right. Ryan, you want to know what kind of football coach Al Golden was? Here, here's here's what kind of football coach Al Golden was. Okay, let's look at the was it see once he said for fours eight. Let's look at the thirteen years before Al Golden came to temp, to, to Temple. Here's what the record was: one and ten, two and nine, one and ten, one and ten, three and eight. Two and nine, two and nine, four and seven, four and seven, four and eight, one and eleven, two and nine, zero oh and eleven. Yeah, his first year they went one and eleven. Now keep in mind something about Temple during that time, right? They were a Big East team and all that kind of stuff, right? They were terrible. And then Al Golden comes in to go one and eleven in year one. They went four and eight, five and seven, nine and four, eight and four. Now. Part of that you have to you have to take into account during a lot of that stretch where they were terrible. They were a Big East team. In his stretch, they moved to the MAC. You, I'm all for honesty. That's right. He didn't go nine and four in the Big East. However, right, you know how bad Temple was. Those years they were going to zero and eleven and one and eleven and two and nine. They just sucked in the MAC too. Right. Ryan, I, I saw firsthand the first college football game I ever went to was Temple against. Virginia Tech and Michael Vick and, and yeah. Virginia Tech beat them 64 to six. So right. yes, I've seen how so, bad some of the ball is. In 05, before yeah. Al Golden got there, 
they were they before they joined the Mac officially because they joined the Mac officially in 07. In 05, the year before Al Golden got there, they lost to Toledo at home 42 to 17, lost at home to Western Michigan 16 to 19, lost at home to Bowling Green 70 to 7 to Bowling Green. That was post-Urban Meyer. So that was Greg Brandon's team, not an Urban Meyer team. They lost to Miami of Ohio, 41-14, to and they lost to Navy, 38-17. to All right? So those were not very good football teams. They were bad football teams. So you could say, oh, well, they joined the MAC. I just showed you what they did in, in the MAC. In, in his first year, they lost to Buffalo, 9-3. to that was a two and ten Turner Gill coached football team. Okay, man, they lost to Western Michigan forty one to seven. They lost to Vanderbilt forty three to fourteen. Okay, they lost to Kent State twenty eight to seventeen. They lost to Northern Illinois forty three to twenty one. They lost to Central Michigan forty two to twenty six. The point being, they lost to Navy forty two to six. The point I'm making is this: they started that transition into the MAC before. And we're getting destroyed. They beat Bowling Green that year. So in a two-year stretch, they went like one in seven, one in eight against MAC teams in his last year and in first year. By the end, they're an eight-nine win football team. This guy knows football. My concern is what has the NFL time done to him? Right. And can now that he's going into year two, can he learn from his mistakes? Because I'm telling y'all right now, most of us don't have a real high opinion of Al Golden and the job he did this year. And that's fair. But if Al Golden kind of gets back the basics and gets back to being the guy that was at Temple and not the guy that was at, at, at with the Bengals, this defense is going to be really good. If he sure. can find that middle ground, I'm telling you, this defense is going to be really good. And, and I hope it happens. I really do. Because I'd love to see him have success because I think he's a decent human being. He's a decent man. And, and I, I always root for guys like that. But the reality is you got to do the job because I'm not going to praise you as a coach just because you're a good person. I mean, you right. praise someone as a coach for the job they do as a coach, and I'll praise them for the person that human being is. Just like if a guy's a good football coach but a scumbag of human being, I'll say, guy's a great football coach. Horrible sure. person. You know, Hugh Freeze, great football coach. Human being, that's up for debate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'll see if he's truly, truly uh, redeemed from his time at Liberty. I have my doubts. But hopefully he is. But that's yeah. the point, Ryan. I hope well, he does well. He but he's got to show it. And, and show I it. hope I, I hope that there is a I hope that there's a little bit of a signal that he is making that change, Brian. Because like the one thing that we've talked about is, you know, if, if you're not going to get the job done as a defensive coordinator, you better be recruiting your butt off of right bet off, right? And we haven't heard we didn't hear for a few months, we didn't hear Al Golden's name talked about at all, right? And then he starts sending out all these offers, and you're like, I still don't understand what's happening. The one positive I will say, just from talking to recruits in 2024 and 2025, I'm hearing his name a lot more, which I think is a good thing. That's a good sign. Now, will that translate to being more self-aware as a coach? We'll see. But ultimately, at least there's like some sign that like maybe there's something happening good here, right? Like maybe there's a change happening. It has to happen ultimately on the field, but I, I did just say that like that's one okay sign that maybe it's happening, but hopefully. But you say okay, is it, would he have done that had James Laurinaitis not left? It's a great that's question. Question mark. It's a great question. All right, so so point number two, Ryan, and and we won't spend a lot of time on this. Red zone defense has to get a lot better, a lot better. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things that go into it. Scheme is part of it. Production's part of it. You need playmakers step up as part of it. 
there's a lot. That's something that I want to see them focus on this spring. And the nice thing is, here's one good thing that we'll see this spring. Hopefully, they they have red zone periods this spring because Notre Dame's defense offense was one thing they were really good at last year was red zone. They were a top 20 red zone team and red zone touchdowns. Tommy Reese in two of his three years had top 15 caliber red zone offenses, right? So that's an area where they're really good. And so to me, I want to see those two go at each other. And Jared Parker obviously had really good success in the red zone at West Virginia, as and that was his primary job as offense coordinator was red zone. So if there's a lot of battles, we should we hopefully will see it get better this year. Because if they can simply just get better in the red zone, there's they're going to be a top 25 defense easily if they're in there if they just if they just get better in the red zone. Now, top 10, that's going to determine by the other things that we discussed. Sure. The next part of it, Ryan, is we talked a lot about how talented the D-line is. There's a big difference between talent and production. And so one of the biggest questions I have this year is you cannot only have a pass rush that comes about by scheme. That That's just not going to win you the big games. For me, it's going to be what can you do to generate a pass rush with your players? And that, to me, is one of the big question marks we're going to see. Now, look, we talked about Batelho and Burnham and Gobira and Junior and, and Baptiste and Riley Mills inside. and uh, There's a lot of options there. But right now, none of them have proven to be consistent pass rushers. Batelho flashed some really impressive moments. But then you go back and watch against Marsh, and you're like, I, I had no plan. It was terrible. You're, can he do it consistently? So – that's another question mark this spring is, yeah, the talent's there, Ryan, but you don't win with talent. You win with production. Now, the talented, if, if the production's coming from really talented players, then obviously you're going to be Georgia, you're going to be Bama, you're going to be Ohio State, right? But there's also teams out there, Ryan, that have had a lot of talent but don't play. Miami's talent was far better than what their record was last year. The talent has to equal the production. Their name's production last year on defense was not nearly as good as its talent level, in my opinion. So will that catch up this year? That's a big question mark. And sure. the pass rush is one of those areas. And, and this kind of impacts all the things. Run game has to get better. You have to be more consistent against the run, right? Well, that comes to me from the talent's got to be able – you have to have talent to make plays. Pass rush has to get better. You have to have talent to do that. You have to be able to be better. But part of it is if you can get your D-line playing to the playing it to its potential, now all of a sudden your run game gets better just like that. Yeah. Your pass game gets better. And your red zone gets better because now if you have a really legit pass rush that you can pin its ears back because why – I can play a lot of man in the red zone. I can play a lot of man in the red zone and turn guys loose, and I'm going to heat you up. And that's where you can have some success. So the pass, who, who the pass rushers are at the first and second level, so D-line and linebackers, is going to be a big question mark this spring. And the better, the better we come out of spring knowing who those guys are going to be, and hopefully it's more than one of those guys, the better I'm going to feel about this defense. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think for me too, it's like – with how the defensive line recruiting went in 2023 and how it seems to be continuing in 2024, just the ideology of the defensive line in general, Brian, from a pass rush perspective, is Al Washington's betting on himself a lot, man, with the recruits he's bringing in, right? Because it's like there's no doubt that he's bringing in tools. There's no doubt that there's tools on the roster. There's no doubt that the 2023 four-man hall had crazy tools. I don't think anybody can push back against that. But at the end of the day – if you're going to bring in these high ceiling, low floor type of dudes, you got to be able to coach and develop. You have to be able to. And that's kind of the big concern here is, you know, we talked about all golden, but 
Can Al Washington get this defensive line to play better in 2024, 2023, excuse me, than what it did in 2022? I think it's possible, but you have to see it tangibly because you can't, you can't now, if you're out golden, just sit back and be like, it's all right. I got Isaiah Foskey. He had 11 sacks last year. He's going to do some good stuff from a pass rush perspective. He's going to figure it out. Nah, man, you need to work with your leading sacker returning is Jordan Battelle, who had four and a half. And like four and a half, I, I thought that there was a lot of great flashes, like you said, right? A lot of great flashes. Yes. Do you remember how many sacks Isaiah Foskey had as yeah, just a rotation a player before he became a starter? Very four and a half. Yeah. So, so yeah. we've seen and, that and jump Kevin happen. Too, he didn't play a lot of snaps last year, Ryan. Jordan, no. Jordan Patel was sub 200 in snaps last year. What? Like, yeah. I mean, so you're, you're talking about a guy that didn't play a whole lot of snaps last year. I'm actually looking at it right now. According to pro football focus, Jordan Patelho had, I could, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Jordan Patel had 127 snaps, total snaps. That's all he played. 127? 127. According to pro football focus, he had 77 pass rush snaps last year. 77. He had a pass rush. He had a pressure, a hurry, a hit, or a sack on 18 of those 77 snaps. That's an that's, absurd that's, win rate, that's man. That's insane. That that's win rate's absurd. Win rate. <laughs> and so, you know, that that's the whole thing, Ryan, is, is oh, let's just say, okay, so he had 18 total pressures on 77 snaps, okay? Yeah. So that's – let's say he had as many pass rushes as Isaiah Foskey had last year. He would have 73 – hurries like pressures total pressures hurry sacks or hits isaiah foskey had 33 now again if you put him out over the entire year that always goes down it it, yeah. it always goes you always but how much does it go down does he go down to 60 50 40 those are the things you look at and say boy did the light go on for him or did they just use him correctly late in the year well if you used him correctly, keep doing that niche and add another 100 snaps onto it. Maybe he doesn't get up to the 300-some rushes that Zfoski had, but maybe you get him to 200, and all of a sudden he's an 8-9 sack specialist. Right. At the very least, he could do that. So when you talk about his production last year, Ryan, I mean, he flashed it, but here's the thing. Flashing it as a as a niche role player is a whole different animal than flashing it as, an every, as, a, as a starter, and that's what Jordan has to show. But right. there's – there's nothing of well, I'll ask this, Ryan, and it, or I'll say this, and you and you tell me if you disagree or not, because because this is a fair question. I see a guy in Jordan Patelho that doesn't lack for anything that he would need to be an every down viper. I think he can drop into coverage. I think he can rush the quarterback. He's he's twitchy. He's yep. pretty physical at the point of attack. I think he can hold up against the run. Other than maybe, I wish he was maybe an inch or two longer, a couple maybe a couple inches longer in length. Sure. I don't see any traits that are lacking as a player. The only thing that's really kept him down has been just him, really. I mean, you're talking about a guy that in the bowl game last year played 48 snaps and had 10 pressures. He had 10 pressures in the bowl game? Yeah. That's wild, man. Seven hurries, two sacks, and a hit. So, oh. yeah, but but it, and that was the only time. Against Syracuse, he only had 10 pass rushes, right? And he had four pressures. He had Wild. two sacks, a hit, and a hurry. You know, against Boston College, he only had four pass rushes, and he had a he had a sack. I mean, he, against Navy, he had seven pass rushes, and he had two hurries. I mean, so this is what he did all year. It's just the volume went up, and guess what? The pressure stayed in line with that. Now, could he do that over the course of the year? That's a bigger question. But at the very least, you're talking about a guy that has a chance to 
to be pretty good if I, he can carry that over to some degree. I mean, and for context, you said 73 pressures, right? It would have kind of you know equaled out to if he had the yeah. same snaps as 72.7, so I just rounded up to 73. Yeah, and that would have been the most of college football last year, I believe. I think, if I saw, if I remember correctly, I think Braylon Trice had like 67, and he was the highest in college football, well, I believe. You, you want to put it into context. Remember yeah. how good uh, Will Anderson was a couple years ago? Yes. Will Ander- Anderson had 82 pressures that year. But he did that. He did that on 482 pass rushes. I projected Batelho simply to have the same number of pass rushes that Isaiah Foskey had last year, which wasn't near what uh, Anderson had. Isaiah was in the 300s. Isaiah had uh, last year had 300 and let me see here, 311. So if you take that, I'm going to do this for context. So if you say he had 18 pressures on 77 pass rushes and you give him the same number of pass rushes that Will Anderson had, according to Pro Football Focus in 2021, he'd have had 113 pressures. (laughs) Will Anderson had 82. So again, I'm not saying he's going to do that. He won't because when you go from a guy that's, you know, really fresh and, you know, to a guy that's got a, it, you're now in week seven of this, you know, you're, you're, you're just, go you're down. just trying to show the production per snap yes. is what you're saying. Like that's it what was you're showing. Phenomenal. Now, yeah. will, will that be the case if he, if he does it, if he plays 48 snaps a game, I'm not saying that, but it's still going to be pretty good. I'm trying yeah. to put in context when he was able to play last year and showed that he showed some really impressive stuff. Now against Marshall, he wasn't very good, Yeah, but he was, he, it was the second game playing. He was a rover the year before. There, there was also point. a lot of players against Marshall that were yes. very good. So. But, but for him, yeah. I'm willing to give him a pass in Marshall when he looked better late in the year because against Marshall, he was still transitioning back to being an edge player where the year before he was playing rover. It's a different animal. Yep. And that's my point. So if yep. Jordan can keep his head on straight, he's got a chance to be special. And you still have Josh Burnham. You still have Aiden Govira. You still have... Uh, you still have Junior Chilamaka. You have Javante John Baptiste. You have some really talented players, and I and, and Javante John Baptiste is another guy, Ryan. That if you look at his production last year, his per snap production was pretty good yeah. as a pass rusher. Uh, so so looking at looking at him last year, he had fourteen uh, pass rushes, or was it the year before? I think it might have been the year before in two thousand and twenty one. Let me look, let me just look up this number here real quick. It, with Javante Jean Baptiste. So give me one second. This is loading a bit slowly today. So it was no, it was so it was last year. So let's just take let's just take his last two years. So he had 132 pass rushes this past year and 173 the year before. That gets him to 305. That's six fewer than Isaiah Foskey. And in that stretch, he had he had according to Pro Football Focus 31 pressures. Isaiah Foskey had 33 on six more snaps. So two more pressures on six more snaps, slightly lower rate than what Isaiah Foskey had last year. And, and so right, there are guys there is my point. It's how are you going to use them and, and, and how are you going to develop them and get the most out of them? That's the question. Well, and, and I think that the potential too is Brian, if we're talking about just strictly from a pass rush perspective, right? Is that, if a couple of those Vipers do step up and let's say that Jordan Vitello is playing good football and Joshua Burnham's playing good football, imagine what you could do on pressure downs, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm still keeping four on the field or I'm, I'm taking, I'm doing a three man front. There might be some situations where you say like, Hey, Burnham and 
Jordan Patel are your two defensive ends in this situation. And that gives you more rush upside as well. Like maybe even you kick a guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste inside at some times in like the Na- a NASCAR type of look, right? So I think that you really need a bunch of guys to step up at that position because I think it makes everyone around them better as well. So yeah. certainly talent, but at the end of the day, production needs to follow at some point. Everyone's excited yeah. about Jordan Batello. I talked to Isaiah Foskey at the Combine. He was excited about Jordan Batello. I talked to Nick Herbig, who played with him in St. Louis um, High School out there in Honolulu. He's very excited about Jordan Batello. Well, I know there's a lot of fans. They were the teammates, chat. Ryan, and Jordan yes. Batello was a significantly better player in high school. Yes. And it wasn't close. It yep. wasn't close. Jordan's issues have not been talent. It's been he hasn't been able to keep himself on the field because of just he's got to make better decisions. But he right. did last year. He did. He kept he kept himself on the field all year last year, which starts to get you excited about what he could be. There, there's no question. Next one, Ryan, is linebacker production. Yep. Notre Dame's linebacker production last year was really bad. It was it was really bad. And, and, and I'm not talking tackles per se. Tackles weren't great, but they weren't terrible. Especially when you when you add all linebackers up, because they did play some 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 guys. But the 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 what I'm talking about are the impact numbers. The the and I've pointed this out before. We 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 don't need to dive into the numbers again. I pointed this out on the show a couple weeks ago. You look at the number of of just tackles for loss that this defense had last year at the linebacker position. It was it was not good. It was not good at all. And it simply put, it has to get better. It, 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 you can't you can't go through another year of uh, uh, where your linebackers have only 19 and a half sacks as a unit. You, you can't. You you need to be mid 25 is just okay, and you're well below that. And I mean, you're <laughs> Ryan. You're talking about years in the past where you're starting two inside linebackers will do that by themselves. I mean, you know, you had 18 and a half sacks at linebacker from Tavon Coney and, and Drew Tranquil in 2018. And the part of the reason for that, that it was even that low, was because you had three defensive linemen that were over 10 in Aquara, Kareem, and Jerry Tillery. You know, you're talking about 2017, Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil, the rover and, your, and, and a rotation guy, uh, combined for 23 tackles for loss. You know, you look at the 27 defense uh, at linebacker, which had Tavon Coney. It had Drew Tranquil. It had Niles Morgan. It had Greer Martini. And you had Osmar Bilal. It's a, a talented group, right? So I'm trying to get some context. It's a talented group. They had 35 and a half tackles for loss in Mike Elko's first year coaching that defense. Like they need to be, they need to be closer to that, in my opinion, on this defense to, to have that kind of production that they need. And so the talent is there. It's just, will yeah. we see it? That's the thing. And, and I don't care as much about sack numbers. I care about tackles for loss. I care about impact plays in the pass game, pass breakups, interceptions, and sacks combined. I want to see more of all those categories. So if the sacks are the same, but they make more pass breakups and more interceptions, then your, your pass game impact has gone up. If you don't maybe make a lot more impact plays and breakups and interceptions but your sack numbers go way up a linebacker that's big making an impact in the pass game so i don't care how they do it we just need to see a lot more impact in the pass game from them as well but just the overall disruption production has to take a huge jump if you're anywhere close to the 19 and a half tackles for loss you got from your linebackers last year this defense isn't going to be a lick better in my opinion well and sorry i thought you were going to continue with your with your statement there my apologies (laughs) i i 
nailed it. It's just got to get it. You did nail it. You did nail it. Great finish there. Uh, Brian, I just I mean, had you me, so enamored you just wanted more. Is that what you're saying to me? I was just going through my mind of how many articles I've written over the last few weeks where I'm like, Notre Dame has had an incredibly impressive haul in 2023 and 2022 from a linebacker perspective, signing a seven-man class of this player or that player. And then you think back to what they were in the 2022 season, and it makes you sad. It makes you really, really sad because there is pure, there's easily talent there, man. Like you can't look at that linebacker room, even if you're not a JD Bertrand guy, even if you're not a Jack Kaiser guy, even if you think Maris Loyfell shouldn't play another down for Notre Dame, you can't look at the entirety of that room and be like, that's not a talented group. That's right. It, that's just no, that's that's moronic. You can't do that, man. Joshua Burnham is now playing Viper. Get that. Junior Tyler Mock is playing a little bit of Viper as well. I get that. But, man, you still have Nolan yeah. Ziegler. You still have Jalen Sneed. You still have Drake Bowen on campus now. You still have Jay Osbury on campus now. You still have Preston Zitzer on campus now. There is a lot of talent in that linebacker room. Point blank. We'll not move it past this point, Brian. Linebacker play needs to be a ton better than what it was in 2022. And it is nothing to do with the talent that is on the field. Nothing to do with that. It needs to be developed better. It needs to be put in better position. If you can't find a role, and this is my general opinion, if you can't find a role of, for Maris Loithout to impact your team in some way, I'm not yeah, asking him to be a full-time will. A game. Not right. asking him to be a full-time will. But if you can't find a simplistic niche role where an athlete like Maris Loithout at six foot two and a half, six three, with long arms and athleticism can't help your football team, that's not Maris' fault. It's not Maris' fault, in my opinion. So now, Maris is the reason he can't be an every-down player. That's sure. partly on him. He makes mistakes that nobody else makes, which here's the, here's the rule of thumb, Ryan. When you have a lot of guys making similar mistakes, it's a coaching problem. When you have one guy that does things that nobody else does wrong, that's a him problem. And to a degree, Maris' issues are on Maris. Simple as that. And so, to me... I I, I want to see that. I need to interrupt here real quick. Uh, we got some people that need to chill out in the chat. Archer, the Ohio State fan, has always been respectful in our chat. And I don't like how a particular person is, is going at him right now. If you want to engage, engage respectfully. We're not going to have that in our chat and on our show. Okay? Back on track. Here's the deal about the linebacker play, to your point. If Maris can't be more consistent in his execution, fine. Then make him Bo Bauer on third down. Bo had he he it was it was just turn Bo loose, just let him go, just run. He doesn't have a ton of responsibility. To me, JD Bertrand's one of the most underappreciated players in the entire Notre Dame roster, in my opinion. Now, was he great last year? No, he wasn't great. He was he was good. He was a solid full. He was a much better football player than I think a lot of fans give him credit for, in my view. He needs to be better. Jack Kaiser, when put in position to do things he does well, was a really good football player last year for Notre Dame. When he got put in positions where his skill set wasn't ideally suited, then he got in trouble. So again, find a better niche for him. To your point, Ryan, uh, when you when you look at a guy like um, uh, Jalen Sneed, find a way to use him. When you look at a guy like Nolan Ziegler, Find a way to use him. There's just, when you look at Jaden Osbury, you know, look, 
there's just the reality is, is there's just too much, like you said, right? Too many guys. You've got to find a role for these guys. It's as simple as that. And I want to see Notre Dame do that. And if they can do that, then this team should be pretty good. That's 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 where I'm at. So uh, Ryan just had a little bit of an internet issue. He'll be back here in in a second. So uh, that's obviously an, an area of of, a, of concern for me when you move forward. And then the the last one for me when we look at the defense. Yes, they need to do all those kind of things, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to circling back to the first one. It's really up to Coach Golden to say, this is who we have. You can't go out there and and sign a bunch of free agents this offseason. Can't do that. You can't make trades in college football. These are the players that you have. It's your job to say, what do they do well? And let's build around what they do well. Because if your guys are not able to do certain things, you can't, and and you're asking them to do that in games and they're just not doing it well. That's not on them. That's on you. Because you know that they don't do certain things well. And any coach that asks a player to do something that you know through, through time and proven preparation and what you see in practice and all that, that he's not good at, and you still keep asking him to do that because it's your system, then your system is flawed or you're not a very good coach. Find out what these kids do well and build around them because there's just too much talent in this football team for Notre Dame not to be better than it was. Now, are they where Georgia is defensively? No. Are they where Alabama was six, seven years ago defensively? No. Are they where Ohio State was talent-wise in 2019? No. I'm not saying that, but they are certainly much better talent-wise than where they were last year relative to how their production equals. And those are the things that I want to see really improve is get the most out of your talent. And then when you can look at it, if you can look back on this team and say, okay, we got the most that we could out of these players. We we maximize what Jack Kaiser can do and what JD can do, what Maris can do, what Howard Cross can do, what Xavier can do. You, you go across the board and you feel like our units, if you feel like you were able to, to get the most out of them, then I'm 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 good with saying okay, you were here. You were the 18th ranked defense. Okay, you did a good coaching job. That's the I can't point to anywhere and say boy they didn't get enough from the linebackers, the D line, or the secondary. Then you can look back and say okay, we're this is where we are. So then the next thing that we're going to do is say okay now we need to get better here. We need to recruit better here. We need to go to the transfer portal and get here in the offseason. We need to do this. We need to do that. And, and that's fine. That's part of it is figure out who you are truly, get the most out of what you have, and then if you fall short, then you know more specifically the areas you got to get better. Hey, our linebackers were prepared to play at a high level last year. They just weren't good enough against this team. Our D-line, man, we were coached well. We maximized what we had, but we just weren't good enough to beat this team over here. Totally fine. Then now go out in the portal, go out on the re- recruiting trail, and get players that are better talents than those guys the problem for Notre Dame right now is we don't necessarily know how far the gap is from a pure talent standpoint because when I watch Georgia play their players are not just talented they're coached at an extremely high level and so what you can do at Notre Dame is match them from a coaching standpoint that that's much easier to do for Marcus Freeman and for Jack Swarbrick and for all the decision makers to make sure that we have the best coaching staff possible then you can say, okay, now where do we need to get to from a talent standpoint? 
And that's that's the task in front of Marcus Freeman. And in some ways, I, I'm I'm confident that if Al Golden does what we're challenging him to do, and that is get back to basics a little bit, make it more about the players and less about how smart you are, then build more and more scheme and get to that point where you feel like you've got that balance to where if I put more on them, then I'm going to start seeing a negative kind of return on that investment. And and that's where I want to see him do it. And if he can do that, then I'm completely confident this defense will get a lot better. And we'll have a much better idea of, of where Notre Dame needs to be from a talent stamp standpoint. And, and I'll feel better about saying, hey, this is where they are. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. And we are going to kind of move on to the mailbag next. But before we do, I want to ask you all folks, please do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the CFB Nation podcast and YouTube platform. And, and look, right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, ad rates are not great right now. You all know what's going on in the economy and those type of things. So uh, if you've thought about, hey, I want to, I want to support Irish Breakdown and and I want to do these type of things, help out. Here's how you can, the best way you can do it. The best way you can support us right now is obviously read all of our free stuff and consume as much as you can. So if we put an article out, read it, that'll help us make up for the fact that the ad rates are lower right now. The other thing you can do is join the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Got a ton of conversation going on. Come join us. Uh, that's a great way can support. You can s- sign up for a $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. If you, if you also want to support maybe beyond that annual or monthly membership, you can also join the Blue Club, the Gold Club, or the Shamrock Club, the Blue and Shamrock Club. If you sign up for that Booster Club, you also get a free IB Mug Club or IB Club Mug that you'll get free of charge, free shipping. We eat all that. We'll send that to you. It's a very great way for you to support us. If you sign up for the Gold Club, however, you not only get the IB Club Mug, but you also get an IB Gold Club T-shirt, uh, color of your choice. We have, five, I think, five or six different colors. And it's just a way for us to show our appreciation to you, but also a way for you to support us if you are uh, someone who, who wants to try to help support us and continue to help us grow and grow and grow. So that's that's my pitch to y'all. Don't do that very often, but figured I'd now's a good time to step in and ask for that. And um, if you have signed up for the gold, the shamrock, or the blue club, then you need to read, you know, you need to reach out to me. Let me know that you have not received anything yet. And we'll check in because I think we're probably about 20 or 30 people still that have not reached out to let me know. I need your address and your shirt size and all that kind of stuff. So most people have got it. So if you haven't got anything like that from us yet, reach out to me. Let me know. Hey, I signed up for this and because I need I can't ship it if I don't have your address. So that would be a, a huge, huge help. So that's going to do it for this poor show. We've got the mailbag coming up next. If you have some mailbag questions, get them in. We don't have a ton right now, so we probably won't have a very long mailbag, but there's some really good questions in there so far. Uh, so again, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. <laughs>